the Hello and welcome to the commentary for Kingery Season 4, Episode 6. Uh, I'm Chris Stoddard, the director, and I'm joined here with the writer, Jeffrey Bridges. Hello! And uh, this episode is titled Beyond the Path of the Sun. Yeah, actually I went back and forth with the title, um, not sure which sun to use. It was S-U-N, then S-O-N, then S-U-N, and I kept going back and forth because they both kind of apply, at least from my perspective, so I eventually settled on one, but, you know, take your pick, it could be either. Well, I just have to say, this was by far one of the best episodes I've mixed. I got to, you know, <laughs> being a fan of Kingery, I, I, I never got to hear, you know, uh, Chip Joel or Mark Zarekor or... Um, right, yeah, you got to direct a lot of people you haven't gotten to before, so... Exactly, and it was really fun. <laughs> it was really fun from a, a writing perspective, too, to get to, to revisit these characters that we haven't seen in so long, to bring them back for, you know, even just for the slightest little bit. It was it was really nice to be able to do that. Another fucking sniper. So we have gone through, uh, we've gone through the first scene here, and uh, we see that Jawbone is uh, uh, in Tommy's dream. And yeah, Tommy's dream or his vision or whatever they are, you know. Yep. Also, I leave up that kind of vague, you know, so you can, are they, you know, dead people really visiting him or is he just dreaming about them, you know, it's, it's kind of up to you, but, um, but yeah, the, the concept for the... Uh, the episode came about when I was uh, thinking, the, the outline for this episode, by the way, didn't mention that he gets visited, you know, by like all the people that have died uh, at, at his hands or whatever, or because of him. Um, that wasn't in the outline, but it was when I was looking at what had to happen in this episode and I was realizing Tommy has been through a lot in these last, you know, three and a half seasons leading to here. And he's, um, he's, he's carrying a lot of guilt around for a lot of stuff that happened that didn't go down the way he wanted or, you know, that he's learned the truth about afterwards, and so I, I, uh, I think you've seen in a couple of episodes leading up to this that it's been kind of affecting him a little, and so this is uh, uh, kind of where it catches up to him. Yep, and uh, again, uh, Chip Joel here is Jawbone. Chip Joel, yes, triumphant return is Jawbone. Yes, and it was, uh, it was great to hear all of the takes that he had, and uh, <laughs> the, the effect I actually used on here was, uh, uh, I think it was a reverse echo, so it's actually their words backwards. Which is what's generating the echoey sound. Wow. Yeah, it was, it was a built-in feature, but it, it was kind of cool the way it sound, it came out. I, I it is. I, I would have never picked up that that's what it was. If you can sort of later on uh, when uh, he's talking to Proc when there's a little bit of uh, space. Okay. Right, right. <clears throat> but uh, in general, it was. Uh, I thought it turned out pretty good. And it did. I want to say thank you. This was by far the uh, least amount of sound effects in an episode that I've ever had. <laughs> yeah, you. Just, well, what did you use for the um, the background, the wispiness? Is that like a a single bed that you made and reused over and over, or what was it? Uh, which which wispiness? What well, like you know that like it sounds behind them like there's just I don't know like stuffs flying around or whatever. Oh, that, that's the reverse echo. That's the reverse echo? Yeah. The, like, hissy whisper stuff? Yep. 
Wow. Yeah, it turned out really well. That is awesome. What I what I wanted. I couldn't couldn't decide on the wispiness. Right. I never had anything that was really good, and then I just started going through the effects that are part of uh, Adobe Audition, and I found that, and I I tweaked it a little bit, and I was like, this could work. It works really well. That's yeah, well done. And th- that uh, the, the whooshy sound effect that sort of starts all of them when like when the new person visits him. I li- really like that too. Yeah, I forget where I got that one from, but I, I've heard I've heard it in other uh, pendant productions. So oh, 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 it must oh, be must be a common one. Uh, so then at the end of I know I'm behind, but at the end of scene one we get uh, a little bit of uh, Fix, who is uh, Mark Zaracor. Yes. And then we bustle right into shenanigans. Yes, the new and improved shenanigans, which as we hear is quite huge and state of the art and fancy and. I seem to be a little bit off. My uh, just so you know. Folks at home, my uh, replay of uh, the episode is actually not acting uh, or is acting up right now. So, uh, Jeffrey, you're gonna have to try to keep me on track here. <laughs> uh, all right, I'll do the best. Uh, I could relate the episode to you. Okay, so um, <laughs> now you know Debbie and Tithia are talking about all the weird kinks people have, and yep. that was a lot of fun to write too. Oh uh, thinking yeah. Of this crap that you've seen. Uh, you know, the internet is good for some stuff. So. <laughs> Yeah, and uh, let's see, we got the water room at the basement. Yep. Christ on a cracker, and uh, <laughs> and I got to bring uh, Jesus fuck back, which of course is my my personal little thing, you know, that from the uh, season finale last season that I came up with and way overused, and you know, Susan and I are kind of using it in daily conversation now. Well, not not around Clark, but you know, <laughs> when he's but he's not around or in bed, it, it comes out a bit, so. Yeah, I think other writers have used it too because I remember seeing it. You know, it's sort of like picked up since the season finale that that is the curse of choice. That's totally awesome. It's Pendant's new curse word. Make it happen, people. <laughs> <laughs> so uh, let's see. We have uh, just rattle off some names here. We have uh, uh, Cat Pride as uh, Titia and uh, uh, Shane Nolan as Debbie. Yes. And lucky me, I am playing the patron. You're the patron, huh? <laughs> I'm the patron. I, I sort of uh, got caught behind the eight ball on this episode, so I just uh, rattled off some lines while trying to get everything done. Oh, the, uh, the, the light boardy sound effects, too, of like the display stuff, that was really cool. Yeah, I don't know where I got that. <laughs> Again, that, it may have, you know, it may have actually come from... Uh, uh, the pendant sound effects. Ah, the big DVD I send out to all the new directors, yeah. Yep. I don't even know what's on, I mean, half the stuff that's on there, there's so much stuff. I've just, you know, been collecting stuff over the years, and I just keep adding it to the file, and so, yeah, I don't, there's there's probably some really cool stuff in there, and I'm sure there's a lot of really lame stuff in there, too, I don't even know, but. Yeah, I mean, it's definitely helpful, even uh, for a new director or a seasoned director, there's always some good stuff in there. Mm-hmm. I haven't been sleeping so let's see. Where are we now? We still talking uh, with the patron? Well, no, he's he's uh, gone on to wait at the free bar, and you know they're talking to Tommy, who's not been sleeping well. You know, and uh, Tithia has her her concerns that she's not gonna you know be doing as well as shenanigans uh, over at Seoul. So that's um, you know, she's setting up other stuff for later in the season. So. What's eating you? Definitely. But uh, yeah, uh, so this is really. I guess the first scene where 
Tommy says, you know, after his dream, he's not sleeping that well. So right. that's sort of a great thing that carries through the entire episode. You can tell later on that he's getting more and more tired of everything. Yeah, uh, Pete did a really good job sounding increasingly aggravated and frustrated and sleepy as the episode went on. And uh, by the end, he just sounds, you know, totally worn out and worn down. And it was he, he, he did a really good job, especially in that last bit. Um, that last scene with with Proc, uh, Pete's performance was really really excellent. So yes, it was. <clears throat> and I think I think I took the first take on every single one of those too because it it just it, it was like dead on. Right. Straight through. <clears throat> I think you get to a point now. It's been you know three and a half years that Pete's been playing Tommy, and he's been in I think every or almost every episode of the entire show, and so. By now, I think, you know, he can just fall into it so easily, you know, and that's why he's probably nailing it on the first take every time. He's just, he's got so much experience with Tommy, so. Yep, yep. <clears throat> and so now here we have uh, Fix, the return of Fix, Mark Zaracor, as, as cranky and grouchy as ever. Yeah. <laughs> there were some great takes on that. <laughs> But it, it was really interesting because, um, you know, like with Jawbone and Fix and Sylvia and Proc, uh, the show doesn't have anybody like them. I mean, they were they were very unique. You know, Jawbone's really weaselly and Fix is, you know, a really big ass and, and Sylvia's so domineering and Proc was so, you know, kind of innocent. And it was it was just uh, really refreshing to get to, to write for those characters again because they're very different from the regular recurring cast, you know, who all have their own personalities. But it was... Um, yeah, I'm just repeating myself now, but it was really cool to be able to bring them back. No, I'll, I'll reiterate that it was really cool to direct them. I had no way to know that. It was very cool. All you had to do was fucking listen to me. So, uh, are we to where Sylvia comes in yet? Uh, not yet. Uh, <clears throat> almost. Almost. <laughs> Fix is talking about all the bitches in the afterlife he's going to go have sex with. So. <laughs> Uh, which I think might have been an ad lib from Mark Zarekor. I don't know if I wrote that in there, but uh, I honestly don't remember. Yeah, well, <laughs> that's kind of funny. You get to listen, and I'm sitting here going through with the, the script. <laughs> <laughs> uh, there we go. Sylvia just popped in. And, and once again... Tommy gets woken up. <laughs> and this time it's by his sister. Yeah, with the gold lipstick. <laughs> the gold <laughs> lipstick. <laughs> uh, so uh, we have Tommy, uh, played by Pete, and then we have Cassandra, played by uh, Bernadette. Yes, Bernadette Groves. Yep, Bernadette Groves. And then Kaylock makes his semi-full appearance in this episode, prior to just having a couple lines over the phone. <clears throat> and he is played by uh, Ashwath Ganesha. Which, I mean, I don't know. Maybe the filter, I can still hear him. <laughs> like night and day. <laughs> <laughs> I wouldn't have known it was him. So the filter uh, disguises him pretty well, but the, there was a very nice slimy noises as he, you know, goes around and ruins Tommy's white carpet. <laughs> yeah, I think that was. I took uh, a hint from uh, Harry 
Harry Whittle, mm. that is, uh, because I was having problems with slopping, or slopping, slimy noises, and he suggested, you know, taking uh, dead body sounds. Mm. That, that's what that is. I think it's somebody ripping a heart out or something. Oh, okay. <laughs> well, now you can just have that nice visual image anytime Kaylock, you know, slithers around. He's just ripping hearts out of people as he goes. Yep. <laughs> I love, I just have to say, I love the laughter uh, that Ashwalk gave with, when uh, him and Tommy are laughing about uh, uh, his little talk about how he likes it. It's a pleasurable occupation when uh, yes, when she keeps her mouth shut or whatever. Yeah, yeah. when she keeps her mouth shut. I love that laugh because uh, Tommy seems very natural and Kalok seems kind of nervous, forced. Yeah, <laughs> I loved it. <laughs> It was very, very nicely played. Yeah, it, it sort of reminded me of like, uh, uh, like Chewbacca laughing. Well, <laughs> <laughs> you know, Kalok's in that weird position in that he, you know, he he has to serve Cassandra and he's loyal to her, but at the same time, she still kind of annoys him. So, but he, you know, he can't really, you know, get too much in her face because she is his, you know, boss. So. Yeah, but obviously, uh, Cassandra trusts him enough. Yes. <laughs> there is a loyalty there. And here we are with the, the return of Fiona Thrale as Sylvia Arkell. Yep. Only recently departed. Well, yeah, I guess so. It's been, what, six months? Six, six episodes, yeah. Well, I mean, compared to the others, you know, who it's been years. Yeah, so. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, that was also, it was weird to write this from the perspective of, it's like inside Tommy's head while he's analyzing himself inside his head, and it was it was a very odd space to get into, but uh, but uh, hopefully it worked. I mean, I thought it was it was a pretty cool thing to do, for me personally anyway, so. Oh yeah, I mean, all of these uh, sort of dream sequences were awesome, mm -hmm. and uh, uh, Sylvia's was really good, and I really like how it basically ends. The, the, the scene ends with her basically saying, "Hey, you're gonna deal with your issues now." Right. And whether that's you know actually his mother in the afterlife still controlling things, or if it's just Tommy, you know, subconsciously finally getting to the point where he's got to deal with the stuff that he's suppressed for a couple of years, you know, then uh, that's that's for the audience to decide, I suppose, or or we'll, maybe we'll revisit it at a later date. Who knows? But. I felt it wasn't really vital to uh, explain that in the episode and make it clear, you know, whichever it was, it was it was kind of left up in the air. Yeah, I mean, and as Tommy says, I mean, he thinks it's all BS. Yes, but, yes, he does. But I used some of uh, Pete's takes that made him hint sort of like he wasn't sure, like he wanted to right. say it was all BS, but he wasn't really sure. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Good old Asa. Yep. And Asa is played by Carl Glassmeyer. Yes. Trying to be polite, not uh, disturbing. Well, that's Asa. You know, he's just the nicest guy at the King Reese since the show pretty much started, so. <laughs> he's an enigma wrapped in a. Riddle wrapped in a bunch of really smelly clothes. Yeah. yeah. 
And as you said, I'm sorry, go ahead. Well, I was just going to say, you know, now we have uh, uh, James Rossi as Proc, which was my favorite scene of the whole episode. It was a uh, favorite scene to write, favorite scene to listen to. It was uh, Proc is the character out of all of the people who have returned that I have missed the most. Uh, I really, really loved Proc as a, as a character. And so this was my, my absolute favorite. And I love the way it came out. And I'm so glad that James uh, was able to come back and, and uh, play Proc one more time. Yeah, I mean, definitely... Uh, uh, Mixing this scene was great, and it was a great one to, as far as the dream sequence, is a great one to end up with. Mm. Yeah. I mean, all the others were awesome, but, uh, you know, this one definitely, both uh, uh, James's performance and Pete's performance here, and the whole underlying uh, uh, writing that you have. The dialogue, the just, I mean, oh, it's, it's pure gold. That's all I can say. Well, thank you. But, yes, their performances are, are uh, just fantastic. And it was, uh, you know, this was the one, uh, the only one of these people that have visited uh, Tommy or, you know, that he's dreamed about, either way, uh, that he really, really regrets. I mean, you know, he did love his mother, but, you know, they had their issues. But Proc was the only one, you know, he really, really, really feels bad about so. It was. It was. The, it had to be the last one, and it was the one that cut to the core of the problem, and the one he had to deal with. You know. I'm sorry I killed Fix when he was only doing his job. I'm sorry I killed my mom, even though she made the right call. And Tommy's sort of like monologue at the end, where he's apologizing. Yes. That was great. Great job by Pete. It was. I think. He, I think he gave me the most takes on that too. I think there were like four takes on that. Again, wow. it was like uh, I actually cut and paste them together because uh, <laughs> I mean he sounded tired through it so I used the right. best the best cuts but it, I mean yeah it was great so sorry it's okay boss I forgive you and uh, are we to Tommy in his office yet uh, yeah he just got the call from Sandrine played by Andrea Fontenot <laughs> now he's not tired, though. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, suddenly he's uh, standing at attention, as it were. Yep. Yes. <laughs> yes. Oh, did I just say that? I did. <laughs> <laughs> In more ways than one. <laughs> yes, yes. That was the implication I was going for. But... I was just uh, elaborating for the people out there who might be a little slow. <laughs> <laughs> Now, I have all these notes here on when people send me things in their uh, uh, their lines. They'll like give me commentary. Richard Casto is notorious for giving me a running commentary of how his character feels. But Andrea, I think she was rambling on on this one, and uh, when she she was like, "I apologize for rambling," and. You know, it actually worked out really well for the the lines that she gave me. Mm. And at the tail end here, in the yes. in the uh, apartment on the on the 
The Kingery, Answering Machine, Season 4, Episode 6. Andrea gave Beyond me so many takes of this because she was not happy Featuring with any the voice of probably, Pete I want to say around 30 takes Catherine for this. Holy crap! Yeah. <laughs> I mean, wow. I, I was going through all of them. Uh, There's Harlan such a thing as a few too many takes, holy cow. Well, and she was, between each take she would be like, oh, I'm not sure that this is what you're looking for, and, you know, all of them were great, and... Uh, she Written did an awesome Bridges, job on that. Story by Jeffrey uh, Bridges with Susan Bridges, Renee Christine and, Jones, Alicia Lane uh, Matheson, Pete Martin, sort of, uh, and Harry Whittle. Original music meeting, composed by David yes. Alexander McDonald. Directed yes. by Christopher Stoddard. Produced by Pendant Productions. There will be more of, of uh, 2010, well, just keep listening, folks. That's all I'll say. By <laughs> Bridges, Susan Bridges, Eaton, John Harden, and Teresa J. McGarry, so are we to the credits yet? <laughs> we are. The, in fact, they are almost over now, so... Oh. <laughs> <laughs> My stupid computer. <laughs> for more information, well, thank you for uh, sort of leading me along the, the trail. Sure. Or, uh, yeah, any time. Oh, look, the, the file has ended, so I suppose we should stop talking. Yep, well, uh, <laughs> uh, let's see. Next uh, next we have episode seven. Uh, do you know when you're next in the uh, rotation? I believe I am not back again until the season finale, so it'll be another six months before you hear me here again. All right, well, we'll be ready for that. Already. Uh, well, at least for me, uh, I want to thank everybody for listening to the commentary, and thank you, Jeffrey, for writing such an awesome episode. Thank you for directing it so very well. You're welcome, and uh, we will see you all next month. Bye-bye, everybody. See ya.